Hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the debut episode of the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with myself, Mark Black. Each and every week, myself, my editor-in-chief, Mark Madison. Hi. <laughs> uh, and one of our major contributors, Pete Moon. Hello. Hello. We will Hello. get together. We will discuss most and probably all of the major talking points in the wrestling world this past week. Now, as this is the first episode, we're going to give you a bit of background of each other, let you know who we are, what we do on the site, and just where we've been these past few years. So, let's start with Pete. How are you doing there, Pete? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty all right, all considered. Right. considered. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I do... I do. What do I do for what the do site? I do? I do stuff for the site. Um, no, <laughs> I, I do daily news. Uh, I've written some On This Day pieces, and uh, I've been doing some of the AEW talent pre- previews. Excellent. And, and I'm editing uh, this yeah. show. You are indeed. You are indeed. You're doing you're a man of many talents and uh we uh, we can't wait to hear the finished product. Can we Mark? No, not at all. No, no. Um Pete is becoming very much a jack of all traits. And we love that about him. <laughs> that's what lots of people like about me. I'm very versatile. <clears throat> Excellent. So uh Mark, Mark Madison, how are we? We are good, my friend. Excellent. My long-time friend. <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Where you've been? What you've been up to? Um, I, I'm just been trying to run this the site with uh, with the help of uh, a lot of wonderful people uh, over the last couple of years. Um, I freelance, written in different places. You might have seen my name here or there. Um, if not, it's okay. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that everyone enjoys what we produce today and where, when you get a chance to come to the site, really, all of that. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, I'm Mark Blake. I've uh, been writing about wrestling for the last four years. Uh, I've not done a lot in the way of uh, working for, for a lot of people. But I've been with uh, Mark Madison here on Pro Wrestling Post for near, just over two years now, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, we've we've done we've done some good work here, mate. Really good work. You're an OG, as they would say, right? Is that what the kids call? That's that's what the kids say, the OG. And ah, <laughs> uh, dear. So uh, let's uh, shall we just get on straight onto the uh, the topics in in hand? Yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got the sure. sheet here. Uh, you wanted to start with Raw Underground. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, the biggest thing at the moment, don't you think, guys? Uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah, it's one of the more talked about things that is going on in in the industry right now. So, uh, starting with Mark, what um, what did you think of Raw Underground? Um, it feels like, and I, I know Pete has followed MLW, so almost to piggyback. It seems like the idea of underground seems to be the buzzword, and like promotions are almost trying to jump on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked Fight Club, you know. Um, maybe the first rule about Raw Underground is you don't talk about Raw Underground, but here we are talking about it. Um, I mean, it didn't if they seem were like supposed to talk about it. Why are they broadcasting it? Isn't that ironic? That's crazy. You, you'd think differently about it, but no. It seemed like I I like elements of it. Um, I've we we interviewed somebody in the past and I listened to his perspective and the idea and the aesthetics look neat. But then once you get into, wait a minute, this is real. Everything else is fake. Does it weaken the rest of your show? Like if, if the idea of this is supposed to be authentic fighting, these guys are really being broken up. It's, you know, and it's carnal kind of nature. It, it just seems I don't know. It's, it's, let's see what happens in the coming weeks. But I, I'm not really sold one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. What about you, Pete? Have you got any anything to say? <laughs> I'm sure you have. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of the brawl for all actually. Um, yes. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing that that Mark just mentioned, where where it's it's like you're presenting this one segment of your show or these few segments of your show as being real in a way that the others aren't and i think that kind of undermines the rest of the show and also when he says about about um 
uh, Fight Club. I think if this was the original format of the Brawl for All and they had waited like a year or two for Fight Club to come out and really uh, um, capture people's imagination, it probably would have gone over better. Um, I think I think there are ways they could have made this work. Um, if it's just going to be a vehicle to get Dabakato over, if it's just going to be, or if it's going to be more like like the Brawl for All, I think they should be a little more clear about that. Uh, and, but I think the worst part about this is that it, it suffers from the same Kevin Dunn style production that the rest of the show suffers from, and that there's, there's just too many cuts. You can't really see what's going on, how it all flows together, how it all fits together when you're making two, three cuts every other second. That, for sure. That We'll talk more about Kevin Dunn and his, uh, his insane need for camera cuts a bit later with, with the retribution angle, but mm -hmm. you, you definitely got, got it on there. I mean, you, you're talking about realness. You, if they're trying to make it real, then how come the Hurt Biz can go over there, take it over with a snap of a finger? Mm -hmm. it, it's... Ah, I'm, I'm hoping... I'm. I'm I'm always the, ever the optimist. I'm always looking for the, the good in things. So I'm not going to pan this just yet and hoping that this coming Monday there might be some more added to it. But as you said, it, you need that. What is the point of it? Where's the stakes? You know what? Uh, I mean, the brawl for all had pretty clear stakes. It was there was money up for grabs in the brawl for all every every fight. And exactly, and I remember there, there was also like promise of a title shot to whoever won, if I remember correctly. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I, I wasn't watching at the time, but uh, yeah, the way the way the brawl for all the brawl for all has been explained to me, it made makes much more sense than Raw Underground, which they just they just like cut to one day, like it was a thing that that had been going on and they just didn't know. It's definitely got a very much uh, a rushed feel to it. Mm -hmm. Well, having hurt business just join in and decimate everybody doesn't that undo everybody that was there from the beginning or at least try they just all cowered and went away and three guys sharply dressed and i have nothing against suits we have yeah. it, what it says is that we can come in and just clean house just because we can and, and maybe that's the idea around her business but in something that's supposed to be I don't know. Like I, I have really. Yeah, if it's more if questions than answers tend to come about. Mm -hmm. And if these are and real fights, are they real should fight. be fighters should be conditioned differently. It's mm -hmm. not like it's not like someone should be able to just show up and wreck house. Exactly. I mean, uh, there was I saw something today on Twitter. I think it was a WWE account saying, "Who would you like to see next to to be on on you know Raw Underground this week?" and is there anybody out there that could actually elevate this to make it more realistic in inverted commas? Brock Lesnar? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get the money for that. <laughs> We're not going to convince Brock Lesnar to leave his comfy house in the middle of a pandemic to, to come participate in, in Fight Club. Exactly. So they've got to try and make the best of a bad situation, which... Uh, you know, again, ever the optimist. I'm hoping they 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 do something. You know, turn the mm -hmm. corner, but it's it's slim pickings at the moment. And honestly, if this if this is just a uh, a way to get Dabakato over before SummerSlam, okay, I'm I'm willing to put up with at least a couple more weeks of this for the sake of getting over a new monster heel on Raw. But, oh, but yeah. if this is going to go yeah. on as long as the Brawl for All did. <laughs> I, I don't think we're prepared for that. Oh man, if if uh, Dabakato needs to be Brock Lesnar level style to to get out of this mm -hmm. for this to work. Yeah. At, at this moment, because you guys mentioned the cuts, he was so fragmented as far as one part that by the end of it, the guy that was decimating everybody was not a mention, and everything that Pete's mentioning about Daba is in the beginning. Yeah. And if we're in a, if we're a viewing audience, which is right now an immediate, yes, we've got a memory and, and most of us do, but is, is it attempting to build up one guy or is it attempting to build up a faction 
or now is the idea that the faction and, and that one guy will come together at some point? Or is it meant to do multiple things and it ultimately run the risk of doing nothing? And and I think that's what a lot of a lot of the trouble in WWE creative right now is coming from is that they have all these ideas but they never come together in quite the right way. Yeah, it's very much uh, fling everything at the wall, see what sticks. Mm-hmm. It's right in front of our eyes rather than behind closed doors. And and even even if this is the thing they had started in kind of the early days of the the. Uh, uh, audience free shows thanks to the pandemic it might have it might have been a bit more passable for sure definitely for sure yeah but uh, you know it's, it, it, it seems to be going back to Vince and his well it's not even his creative it's Vince at the end of the day that has the final decision so mm-hmm. you know we're back to that again but in happier news folks much mm-hmm. happier news how do we feel about The Rock buying the XFL with his partners? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not much of a not much of a gridiron fan, but uh, uh, I, I think I think from what I heard, the uh, the games went much better than the last time there was an XFL, and we only got halfway through the season before before the pandemic stopped everything. Um, I think perhaps The Rock is a better choice for running the company than Vince, especially when we've seen we we just finished talking about what was going on on Raw. Uh, <laughs> definitely seems like uh, uh, Vince is more into what will pop the ratings for a week than than something continuing. What about you, Mark? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm much like Pete. I'm, I'm not much of a, of a football fan. Um, but I would say that if the decision is to have Rock purchase this and rebuild it, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, um, then something special could come of it. I mean, it seems like everything he's touching is there's sound time and an attempt to make something bigger that goes into it whether it's his television shows or films or there's a real commitment and he's invested in it, um, he might have a more progressive look. How he makes this a focal point um, could be just as telling too. So listen, as a Canadian, I I often joke, why just not buy the CFL too, merge the two? We we run, you know, we get a chance to see U.S., um, talent coming here a little more regularly but hey that's for more selfish reasons uh i don't know if you've seen the news today but there is uh some rumors floating around saying that even though rock and his partners want the xfl to to come back next year he wants to do a um a hard knock style show do you guys know about the hard knocks tv show uh i read actually a little bit about that um while i was doing the research for for while i was making my notes and uh, i have that in here he seems like he's more interested in like branding and media expansion um, yeah and also that's going to be kind of interesting considering that disney and fox have seemed kind of uh, uh hesitant to remain involved without vince involved that's right i i, I saw that rumor as well but to be fair, if they've got the finger on the pulse, which they must have in this day and age, they must be seeing that the the flack that Vince is getting off from, you know, from Raw, as we've just spoken about. And as Mark just so eloquently put it, the rock is everything he touches is gold at the moment. So that's very true. So, you know, it's losing Vince may not be a bad thing. And bringing the rock in could be the shot in the arm. The XFL really needs. <clears throat> and he may not have the business acumen but that's what we've got uh, uh danny garcia and redbird capital there for so he's got he's got kind of the vision to see to see what should come out of this and he's got the people there to help him make those decisions to help him uh uh push for for those uh, uh um media venues exactly he could be um a little bit more than a figurehead basically 
question for the past owner. I mean, we know it was Vince, but were there not the people, the business people in place as well, or was it completely Vince? There was no other partners that had an expertise on football or how to develop that particular. I mean, at least in, in the original run of the XFL, he had Dick Ebersol at least for a little bit. Um, I'm not sure actually if there was anyone else on on board for XFL version two. I'm I'm kind of thinking that it was all him, just because the amount of personal money he pumped into that. Well, I don't. He, he yeah, doesn't. I don't think he could have convinced anyone really to to invest in the XFL <laughs> name. Exactly. There's no way. I, I can't, it would have been his baby, and he's such a control freak, or seems to be a control freak, that he, I don't think he would be willing to bring anyone else on board. Uh, and that's where business tends to be different, right? Uh, he knows his niche, but if he wants to grow... He needs to bring in those that have been proven to be successful in a different area, right? If it's film, would you not lean on a film company that's produced hit after hit? Like, I don't know how WWE films are. Uh, I rarely watch any of that. I mean, I, I liked the Kane film. Was it? Uh, on... But at the same time, oh, horror films uh, be their niche. Right. Horror seems to be their niche, and that can be done well, probably because the cost of it isn't uh, as extensive, and it works for what they try to produce. But when it comes to football or any other sport, any other league, the success of it should also be branded in those that are successful in making that particular market effective. Wrestling has always been what he does, or sports entertainment, whatever it is. And he had been proven to be successful, but... People are, are listening to what is working for different promotions. For different sports, you can't work with the same, the same set of rules. Something has to change. Um, and maybe that was part of the collapse, right? So There's rumors saying that he might have been, uh, what's, what's that saying? He might be drinking his own Kool-Aid. <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, so many people have been saying he's a genius and, you know, it's, oh, I'm a genius, I can do this. And obviously he can't. Ah, so, it's at this point, this point of the show where um, Mark, our editor-in-chief and owner of, of Pro Wrestling Post, he's, uh, he's going to talk about a couple of um, past articles that we've posted on the site. A couple of great articles, actually, that were posted on the site. Um, what were they again, Mark? One was a wonderful piece written by Mr. John Hill. Um, John, who is uh, actually very good friends with Pete, um, and his uh, knowledge of Joshi and Japanese wrestling. The, the, the two of them together, they're like bookends, Pete and John, and, and their knowledge and expertise as it pertains to Japanese wrestling. But even the history is wonderful. We like welcome it. He covered uh, Maki Ito. Did I pronounce that correctly, Pete? I believe so. Um, okay. Maki Ito. Maki Ito, um, who is fun. She's uh, warm. And fans have definitely been able to connect and gravitate. We've been fortunate. Uh, Miss Ito found this piece this day, and it exploded for us. And it tracks her future, her, her, her future, her past, and where she came from. And really, she's relatively new to the sport itself within like five years. Mm -hmm. I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I actually spoke to John about uh, uh, Ito uh, finding that that tweet, and uh, John was actually rather surprised and 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 felt quite humbled about uh, uh, getting recognized. Um, but more interestingly, you mentioned that he was surprised, even though Maki Ito is kind of prolific on Twitter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like she tweets a lot, she uses Twitter a lot, and and just the idea that uh, uh, she would gravitate towards something that he wrote didn't really didn't really come to him. Uh, and he's passionate about it, and it showed because all the the feedback around it has been it's authentic, 
it's it's well written and it's about somebody that those that follow the particular uh, avenue. We have staff that follow Joshi itself, and um, I'm still an office. I'm not going to pretend to know more. It's I think the language has always been what uh, frightens me, regardless of it, whether it's I think because there's more men, uh, more the gaijin in in the the male version. Like you can actually have that, whereas it's not as much in the female. So. Um, but they're wonderful talents, wonderful, wonderful talents. Um, I definitely, it's something I want to follow more, and uh, I want to thank John for writing that for us. Mm-hmm. We can look for more from John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to pass that on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about uh, Makiido? I I just like to just chime in here. I I I'm. I don't know much about uh, Joshi at all. Actually, I probably know less know less than Mark. So uh, I do <laughs> I do apologise to everyone. But reading that piece, I know he's he's one of our our guys. But even him not being one of our guys, that was an amazing piece. It was so good, and for for him to get recognition that he did, spot on and well deserved. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh... I don't actually have anything. I don't know why I spoke up. <laughs> uh, what was the uh, the the second piece you you were looking at for this past week? So what was neat is a new contributor to the site, uh, Dylan Hughes. He um, wrote something as what would have been in talking to him. He's, he wrote a review, and Mark and I looked at his review, and it was a simple enough review. But I wanted him to 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 give us something that he could sink his teeth in. So I said, "How about an on this day?" And he said, okay. And he looked into it and he said, I'm going to write something about Ron Killings. Ron the Truth Killings. And when he was in part of NWA TNA, being the first uh, recognized NWA Black Heavyweight Champion. And that was massive. I mean, we are still getting views. Um, itself, it's probably over 2,000. <laughs> they're just pouring in. And um, it, it was simple enough, but at the same time, it changed history. Even though he recognizes that Bobo Brazil was received it, but yet it's interesting because he's not recognized. And I'm really, the, the reasons maybe Pete can, would have more knowledge around this or not, why he isn't as recognized or how there is no tying to him being recognized as the first but yeah, Killings was. Uh, I do have the answer to that, actually. Thank you. Uh, Bobo Brazil found out that Buddy Rogers, who he he should have uh, won the title off of, had an injury uh, while he was wrestling. And so Bobo thought that that was kind of like a tainted victory over someone Ooh. who wasn't able to, to compete at, at full capacity. And he refused yeah. to take the championship. And so I think that's why he's not recognized it's because he he turned it down and he was going to wait for uh buddy rogers to be to be well so he could win uh a fair match see and i'd have to talk to dylan a little bit more because he said he had there was discrepancies as to reasons and he wasn't sure to put in print that that one reason more so than the other was it but if that's the one that that you can kind of hang your hat on um, I'll connect with him about it too because it's it's unfortunate because I can understand why he wouldn't accept it because the victory would have been tainted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's always an asterisk. Uh, Roger Maris, uh, we can look at Mark McGuire and and Sammy Sosa and connecting to home run hitting contests. Mm-hmm. There's an asterisk. I guess you never want that tied to your name, and it says a lot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been. Just trying to rack my brains for for other examples. Oh yeah, uh, Jack Venino in uh, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, another example of someone who held the championship and but even uh, even though they aren't uh, recognized as having held the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. City so, folks, you uh, you get educated on there on this podcast as well as in games. Look at that. Um, just going back to that Ron Killings piece, I. My, my speciality in writing is, is reviews. 
So uh, I do read a lot of, <laughs> I do read every single piece we put out. And our on, on this day pieces, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. It educates you as well as entertains. It, it, it goes into detail. Every piece that we've put out on the on this day goes into detail about what happened, how it happened, why it happened. And it's, it's different. It's great. I just, I can't get enough of them. I really can't. It's it's one of the reasons I love writing them, really, because it's something you can really sink your teeth into, and and you learn stuff. Um, I wrote one for the site recently. It's going to go up next year, probably. Uh, I like reading writing these way in advance. Um, but yeah, the one should I should I say what it is? Maybe closer to the date. I think right now we're gonna. Well, I got, give I, more people a reason to check, keep checking in yeah, each week because it might be out. Point. I uh, I wrote a, uh, um, an on this day about a classic match uh, uh, that I was very happy to to sink my teeth into and and just constantly learning about these matches and these important events. <clears throat> one of the big reasons I uh, I keep uh, in it. We're drifting away from Ron Killings, and I have these notes in front of me. <laughs> um, Ron Killings as NWA champion. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, too short. Way too short. Uh, I agree. Genuinely, it's uh, it's something that he has in common with uh, uh, another, um, I guess, person who broke the color barriers in wrestling, Ron Simmons. For sure. Um, both of them had big wins over over some some seriously hefty opponents. Uh, Ron Killings defeated. Ken Shamrock and uh, Ron Simmons defeated uh, Vader for his, and then they proceeded to to not even be in main events. In fact, Ron Killings didn't even win his in a main event. And no, it was um, it was on it was on the under no no well yeah basically the undercard of that show was uh, yeah it was the the second match of that show, and I wonder I wonder what the the significance of that. If if he felt uh, undercut by not being in the main event, even though he was champion. Um, it's a good question. I mean, who uh, was it? Was it Jeff Jarrett that main evented that show? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it, that is promotion, isn't it? So <laughs> you, you think take what you want from that, really? I'm kind of disappointed I'm, that I never really got to see Ron Killings as, as NWA champion. Um, that happened a little bit before I was able to, to access TNA regularly. Um, like by the time they had those first few years on Spike, uh, Ron Killings was, was involved with uh, three live crew, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. yep. and, then, and then he kind of just faded into the background. And then by the time I kind of fell out of wrestling in my teenage years, he had moved to WWE. And uh, I feel I feel kind of kind of bad that I never really got to see Ron Killings in his prime. I I I was kind of lucky over here in the UK. There used to be uh, a dedicated wrestling channel before the network. It was just called the Wrestling Channel, and it was on satellite TV. WATNA pay per views. They run once a week, so I was hooked and started watching it. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh my god, that's you know that's K quick. That's that's K Ron Ron Killings is K quick. Okay, we'll give this a go. The guy was totally different, totally different. He was so much more enigmatic. He's like you know how our truth is now. Mm -hmm. And I noticed I, I actually noticed that coming from seeing uh, Ron Killings in TNA and then seeing him as our truth in WWE. Yeah, definitely. Is just kind of like like seeing a completely different person wrestling. It's just amazing. I think I think that that run validated what he what he thought of himself. As, as short as it was, he knew that he could do this. And oh, okay, he obviously came over to the WWE, back or back to the WWE. And apart from his his feud with um, oh, when he teamed with the Miz mm -hmm. and seen and and little <laughs> little Jimmy. And things like that, it, it proved that you know he knew what he can do, and you know, hopefully, and the WWE, the audience, the universe, would uh, would have seen it too. 
Um, Pete, question for you. Yeah. Do you have the impact, and here we are, um, I'm shilling another product, but sorry, uh, because it might help. Do you have the impact plus application or access to that? Uh, I don't. Um, because I had wondered if by chance some of those asylum days are available on their app because the NWTNA, this, we're talking about before syndication, before we had uh, options or availability to it on Spike, um, to see the truth and Ken Shamrock and then Spanish announce the SATs. I mean, there were flying Elvises. There was a lot of interesting different things that were coming out that we never were privy to mm-hmm. until way after. And it's a shame. Yeah, I've, I've heard of a lot of the stuff that, that happened in those early TNA days. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of, of um, stuff that would happen in, in early Ring of Honor when it was mm-hmm. still very much ki- kind of an indie thing, kind of, it was like an indie thing that had money behind it. Right. Um, I I know for a fact that uh, the Impact Plus app does have all that. Right, mm-hmm. back, right back from the very first midweek pay-per-view that they did. Uh, another sh- another podcast show has just covered one that, that made me laugh out loud. I'm not going to plug them. They don't need to <laughs> plug. But... Um, it, it, yeah, they went all the way back and watched the first one. Then they watched a few more, and yeah, it's uh, some of it's really good, and some of it is really bad. Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't make syndicated television. Maybe that's why producers and different television networks are like, we can't hear this. You need to change your product. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. So oh, we we have finished with uh, our past pieces, mm-hmm. and something I really want to talk about because it has been the highlight of of my month. I think, even though it's only just started, really this month. Talking Shopper Mania. Please tell me you've watched it. I've seen the highlights, <laughs> uh, and and it it almost seems like what Southpaw Regional Wrestling should have led to. That's exactly my thing. I was sat here in my living room watching it, and in my head I'm thinking, this this is what South Park, South, South Park, Southport Regional Wrestling should have been. This is exactly rather than just a few little promos and a few sketches. This is what like what was it? New Year's. Uh, uh, there was there was Lethal Leap Year. Lethal Leap Year. That's the one. Down at the swamp. This is what Lethal Leap Year should have been like. Uh, just yeah. a total. And, and also, and in someone's backyard too. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, Mark, you've you've got to get out of your way to watch it. It is they they, they promoted it. Gallows and Anderson promoted it as yep, the always... worst worst pay per view ever, and it really is. But it's also the best. Ah, uh, is there's so much there's so, there's uh, I'm trying I'm trying to remember now. I've lost my notes. Damn it. <laughs> There was a battle royal. Yeah, the social distancing off. battle royal. Social distancing battle royal, which was ingenious. And there were so many famous fa- famous faces there. There was a um, freight train come in and eliminated about three quarters of the field. Um, Alex Kozlov made a return. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he made a return. <laughs> there was... Uh, oh, there was... Uh, a ma- I can't remember what the match was. But it bust into. This was all filmed at Luke Gallows' house, and they this match busted into Luke Gallows' house, and they went into this this like kids' bedroom, and there's um, Brian Myers sitting there playing WWE wrestling dolls figures with with two kids, and he's having a go oh, at man. them, and then they go and fight in the pool, and then you've got like the main event, which <laughs> oh, I'm I'm really sorry, folks. The Boner Yard match, <laughs> which, as you can tell, was a complete riff of the Boneyard match from this mm-hmm. year's WrestleMania, with uh, Chad Too Bad and Sex Ferguson. Um, oh my God, I I could not stop laughing all the way through this match. It wasn't even the spots that they were doing; it was they were talking to themselves, and they were trying to rib each other as they were wrestling on pay per view. It's ingenious i loved it so much and from what i've seen and, and read online it's done huge numbers 
And there's already talk of them getting together to do a Talking Shop of Mania 2. They teased the topic of Talking Shop of Mania 2 at the end of Talking Shop of Mania, didn't they? When They uh, did. Yeah, the... the oh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Uh, yeah. They definitely did tease a sequel. Uh, on the subject of that sequel, Mark, who, do you th- who would you like to see at Talking Shop of Mania 2? Oh my god. <laughs> right now, it just... Because it's so... Like the names that they've put, and you said that it was it, it turned back the clock. I, I I don't know why, but I could feel like Glacier could be a part of this. Oh, I didn't even think of Glacier. Or like like Virgil has to show up, even I, if he's sitting at a table alone. I got like Virgil number three on my list. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's got to be Virgil. You know what? They could even do him in in the Starman costume and have him unmask again because that was great. First time that <laughs> happened. Um. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Colt Cabana just because he's, he's just such a, a talented wrestler when it comes to uh, comedy. And uh, here's one. Uh, the Blue World Order. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a shout. That's a great shout. One Night Only Reformation. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, I'd be down for that. Uh, see, someone described them as, as uh, a faction that should never have drawn a dime but made a boatload of money. Yeah, that's one of the t-shirts that I I don't have and desperately desperately want. It's a BWO t-shirt. Oh, well, Mark, I'm sure that when somebody watches your ECW or reads your ECW Sunday Retro View indirect show, they will probably <laughs> read about the BWO. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel I'm a little way away from the. The, the the start of the BWI. I'm only in February '95 at the moment, but I'll get I will get there, and I can't wait. It's going to be cool. Ah, oh, so talking shop mania. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. What we're we thinking, guys? Thumbs From what you said, up. Uh, two thumbs, thumbs way, up. way up. Excellent. Yeah, if if you guys building it up the way it is, I it's a shame that I haven't sat and watched it because. In talking to you all week, Mark, it's been about making <laughs> sure that if you do anything this week, watch this. And uh, they, they have fun with it. And I think... Yeah, you, that's really the thing that, that I take away with it, is that these guys are... That this is comedy wrestling for wrestling fans. Yeah. I've, I obviously live over in the UK, and our scene at the moment is, uh, has seen better times. And this... this this pay-per-view, this Talking Shop of Mania, seriously puts the biggest smile back on my face. It's, as you said, it's comedy wrestling done right. Uh, they don't care who they upset. They just want it to have fun. And it shows. And if, if in, in any walk of life, if you're having fun, everyone else watching you or reading or whatever is going to enjoy it as well. And it's oh, so good. So good. Um, okay. So from something so good to something a bit... Hmm... Last night on SmackDown, Retribution, a brand new stable, uh, debuted. What do we think, folks? Uh, it feels slapdash, though from from all the accounts that I've heard of, of what's going on with Retribution, it, it's it's something that they've actually planned for quite a while. Um, which really is kind of throwing a wrench into what I had helped to say about about them going in, which was start speculating about who they are. Uh, I now have no clue, <laughs> and I think that's that's good. It's been a long time since I've I've been genuinely surprised by WWE. It going on to your point, it does feel a bit slapdash. It, uh, same as Raw Underground. This feels a bit of another, you know, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks kind of moment. Whereas Raw Underground, Raw Underground even, you can see the, the potential. You can definitely see there was planning behind it. This does really look like this was made on the fly. But yeah. it could, and I stri- again, being positive, it really could be something good at least. I think if we get some better understanding about what Retribution's motives are, apart from clearly Retribution, 
we might have uh, a better idea of of what's going to happen going forward. But currently, we just have guys who are are coming in and and causing mayhem for arguably no reason. Looking at um, looking at examples of that in the past, we've had uh, the Nexus, we've had uh, the Shield. Um, but even they didn't quite go to the lengths that Retribution had. I, I, I sorry to cut you off there, Mark. I just wanted to say I, I, I think this is what sanity should have been. Yes, definitely. This is what Sanity and... should have been doing way more than not being on TV. Yes, I, I, I just have a feeling that everything that's happening now, or or could be happening in the future is what they had planned for sanity and they just didn't bother with it or something. It's just been sitting on the back burner waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like, Oh, we're getting rubbish ratings. We're getting panned left, right, center. Let's do this now. That's my feeling. But as I said, I'm hoping something really good. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I, I'm of the, the belief in just watching. Cause I haven't, I didn't really watch SmackDown, but I would say is this kind of like a hybrid? Are they kind of taking the hacker gimmick and kind of weaving it into this? Dress similarly. Sorry? I forgot about the hacker gimmick. Well, did, did they, though? Because you didn't know when they were coming. You, but now we're always thought of uh, that it was one person. Who's to say that it is one person? Maybe it's multiple people. Maybe they never really dropped it and that the hacker is coming in for retribution. Mm-hmm. And that it's multiple people. I mean, they, they we're theorizing, right? It, it could be again nothing. But hold, I, on, I, hold on, hold on. Sorry, are you are you are you are you saying right now in public that WWE can do long term storytelling? Yeah. <laughs> well, they they were capable of it. I, I watched SummerSlam '88, and they built something that was months in the making, and it it wasn't quick. It's capable, but I I don't know if this day and age they know that there are people that can follow it. I don't know if they feel like they need immediate gratification and maybe that's the social media side of things, but you can keep somebody engaged if the story is compelling enough, but where is this going to go? If it's just five people with the same motive of just ripping apart a ring and bringing out a chainsaw and just, like, I'm not really sure how that's going to get you heard. Like, with Nexus, they had their faces shown. They had nothing to hide. And maybe this is part of a big reveal. But I liked, if we're going to compare, because I, I Pete mentioned the Nexus, it was great. I, I didn't like the payoff, but I we we got a chance to see seven or eight new, fresh talents and had an opportunity to do something special. But who are behind these masks? Is it somebody in NXT? And, and that's it... what I wanted to have a little bit of a talk about before I uh, I, I hopped in with uh, some some theories about who Retribution might be. Okay, go for it. Well, initially I said, I thought to myself, this is probably going to be a handful of people who got uh, furloughed and, and are just kind of being reintegrated now. And so I looked through a bunch of names of the people who, of people who had been uh, released as part of Black Wednesday. And there was about kind of like 50-50 on people who had shown up on the independent scene since and people who are still kind of waiting to, to see what happens. Like uh, Eric Rowan, uh, I don't think he's shown up anywhere since, since Black Wednesday. Uh, no Way Jose, I don't think has been anywhere. And then uh, I noticed that there was uh, a woman involved with Retribution, at least one. And so... I thought, okay, who could that be? And I looked up Sarah Logan because I thought it would be her, but apparently she's expecting right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm starting to wonder if if uh, uh, that that avenue of reasoning is a, a dead end. Um, well, I've seen some other theories that it's uh, Undisputed Era, but that seems kind of off because there's five members. Or sorry, there's there's four members of Undisputed Era, and there's five in Retribution. And then someone pointed out to me that there's a handful of uh, NXT superstars who have 
taken down their Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like Dominic Dijakovic and, and Tommaso Ciampa. But uh, the thing about about implicating Ciampa is, if I remember correctly, he has no interest in leaving NXT. Yeah, he, he didn't he go on record and say that if, if he was called up, he would quit? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the time, I think it was a case of him not wanting the, the, the grind of, go, of making towns. He didn't want that. Because NXT is basically just obviously Florida and, and the surrounding areas. With the pandemic and with SmackDown being held at the the Performance Center, he could technically get get called up and not do the grind of making towns. So there's the possibility, but as you said, I I, I just can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, any anyone got an outside the box answer? Well, go for it, Mark. You've I I I've I just want to sit back. I I, I <laughs> how can I put this? For too long, I've had my conspiracy theory hat or what about this? What about that hat on? So with with this, I just want to sit back and I want to watch the story unfold. I want to be surprised. I could I would like to be shocked. I can't see it happening, but I want to be surprised. Whereas Raw Underground, I can sit here and um, take it apart piece by piece. With this, I've consciously said to myself, I'm going to do not do that. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be surprised. There we go. Cop-out answer. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, I have the real answer. Uh, it, it's Virgil. Oh, he's, figured oh. out, he's figured out how to clone himself. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to take over the world. Who would have guessed? <laughs> The real apocalypse was Virgil's. Uh, okay, just uh, changing tack again. Um, did you see some tweets today, or not? Yes, past two days, between Dax Harwood, Ethan Page, and Scott Demore, by any chance? Yes, yes, yes I have. Yes, the, the the. I'll tell you what, Mark, you go for it. You you let us in on this. Um. So I'm not sure I mentioned this in our group chat, the concept of poaching and is it, is it okay for somebody to, to reach out to somebody in another promotion? Now, Demores and higher up, there has to have been some sort of communication knowing of, because it's not the first time I'm sure there's been a crossover before where the young bucks have said something to somebody in impact. Um, Kenny Omega is friends with Don Callis and there is a relationship that's there after the fact. So this is why I, I, I don't think it's far of a stretch, but I, I do wonder if there is legs to this. They're not, this, this can't be a surprise that higher ups can do this if they all know that they're on the same page. So I think there's legs to it. I think something can come of it. Um, a lot of promotions will say the keys to success is about uniting rather than dividing. Um, we may get a super card of some kind, and while the idea of Impact and AEW may be working together, or could be special. It really could be. Um, I have my doubts about us getting uh, an Impact AEW super card right away. Um, but I definitely, it definitely seems like, like it's something Scott Demore wants to do. And I know that AEW seem to be more open about working with other promotions and, and even doing a little bit of talent sharing because we saw, um, MJF, uh, kind of finish his, his triant time in major league wrestling while he was, uh, assigned to the fledgling AEW. Um, and I remember that TNA used to have a whole bunch of working relationships like they they had a, a a deal with ring of honor and a deal with new japan to have some talent uh show up on on impact and i think if we're going to see i think that before we see any super card we're probably going to see some impact talent show up on dynamite mm-hmm. and i think i think that's just because AEW 
at the moment has the much bigger stage because because they're on TNT, they're uh, arguably um, more accessible than than Access. Um, I think that would probably be the the avenue they go before we have before we have SuperCard. I I as you said, I can see a few impact talents coming over to to AEW. I mean, Cody's still throwing out his his um, TNT challenge. Mm-hmm. Could we see an impact guy come over and and do that to to set up maybe this? Because didn't Scott Demore? He said he wanted a series of matches, so some would take place on Impact, some would take place on AEW. I, I believe he said so. Uh, I'd have to bring up the, the tweet again. So you know, it's, it makes sense, and then you know, you could get a few of the the mid card AEW guys come over to Impact. To uh, that, that's where the you hit a sort of a roadblock. You're trying to work out what they could do on Impact when Impact itself at the moment is looking really strong. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially when when they have so many uh, uh, fresh new talents and 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 returning talent who never really who never really finished their business in in uh, Impact. Um, but I, uh, and I also but... think that with this new direction that Impact is going in, having some representation on a, on a bigger platform could help with their uh, with their growth. Uh, I was I was going to say something a bit less nicer than that. I was going to say they were going to piggyback AEW, but oh, there we okay. go. Okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to keep my my heads up for uh, for Race for Impact. <laughs> Personal shield. There you go. It's I just I just might say it how it is sometimes. <laughs> it gets me in trouble quite a lot. Ask the wife. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so. We have uh, a few pieces coming out. Actually, we've got more than a few pieces coming out this week. We have loads of pieces coming out this week. Mark, what's uh, what took your uh, your fancy this week? Um, funny we had talked about this, um, and I don't have the run sheet in front of me, but I can take a swipe. So we do have something actually. Now that I stall and I think of the name, we have something special from Jim Phillips, who's been working on a an origin series. Um, when it's all said and done, we're looking at something that'll be six parts. This is part two coming through. Uh, managers of our past, uh, wrestling managers of our past, really wonderfully done. I don't want to say who it's about, um, but if you're a fan of the WWE during the 80s, you will be familiar with this manager. That's all the clues that I'm going to give you. Uh, we get a bit of a background and backstory about this person, and uh, looking forward to it. Jim is noted. He's written for multiple sites. He's on a sister site of and friend of ours as well. Uh, he was... Uh, and uh, I would show them, sure, pro wrestling stories, and he was on the gorilla position, and now he's been fortunate. I'm very grateful to have him with us and helping us out and doing something here, and uh, passionate, longtime fan, and I can't wait to read this. We also have uh, something coming out tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we're going to throw up those those fingers and say that it's too sweet. Miss Georgia Madden will be doing that with part two of her history of Bullet Club. Looking forward to that. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. And, uh, I just made a note that uh, uh, Hogwild 96 Retroview. Yes. Yes. Mr. Clint Dye. Thank you. That's why you're here, Pete. Yeah. Keeping oh. everything in order. <laughs> Hogwild, our debut WCW Sunday Night Retroview, uh, Clint goes over Hogwild 96. He had fun writing it up. Some special images in there. Uh, it would be the first event with Hogan versus the Giants as the main event. And we have the Outsiders versus Sting and Luger. Yeah, this is also, that's, the, that's the first pay-per-view after he turned heel, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, major moment there in in WCW and wrestling history. Um, from what I can remember, uh, it was it was a it was a pretty good show. Um, but Clint's write up is even better because I was lucky enough to edit his piece, and yeah, it's it's really good. I'm I'm really happy with our our Sunday block going forwards. I'm as Mark said earlier, I shall be writing 
ECW pay-per-views from 95 onwards. Uh, pay-per-views and supercars, because obviously pay-per-views they didn't get until 97. Clint mm-hmm. will be um, going forward with WCW pay-per-views from 96 onwards. And Mark kind of sneakily said it earlier, but what are you doing for our Sunday block? <laughs> well, next week, we be, mine would be always focused towards whatever WWE pay-per-view is happening in said month. So this particular time, I'm looking at SummerSlam 88 because SummerSlam is coming up. So I'm going to start right from the beginning. This would be the first ever SummerSlam. It was an interesting show. So that will be coming up two weeks. No, this, this coming week. This coming week. So not tomorrow, but the following Sunday. So mine would always be focused around a WWE pay-per-view that's happening in said month, past or present. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Um, Pete, have you got anything coming up? Can you give us any any little insights of what you've got planned for us soon? Uh, I've got the uh, my regular feature, uh, Brace for Impact, the, the Impact uh, preview. Uh, maybe I'll get into reviews. Um, but yeah, as always, I, I do a whole bunch of On This Days. I do uh, daily news. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, or I'm, I'm getting ready to do a series about music. I don't know what to call it quite yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, the, stuff, the stuff I've been working on. A couple of Trailblazer pieces we've talked about, but we're yes. not really sure. Yeah, I'm still, really uh, I'm ones. still working on those. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to give them away, but um, the ones that, that, that Pete and I have talked about, I'm really excited. I've more so, I, I just familiar, becoming familiar with one in particular. Long time, I don't even say which area because I might give it away. But I'm excited about what what Pete's going to produce for us. So always fun reads, no doubt. I uh, I remember you telling me about Pete and this uh, this music piece. Um, I I I I do love my music. Uh, I love wrestling music. I love the themes. I have so many on my mobile phone that my kids know the song, the worst to every single song from the 90s Attitude Era. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So that will be sometime in the next few months. Have we got anything else coming out this week, Mark? Or or shall we just call it quits and get um, out? <laughs> well, we do have uh, part one of a series. Uh, part one and two, and I think it's really a really quick series because it, it'll be over a couple of days on wrestling radio and its evolution and how it started from uh, syndication and how it's gone into podcasts. And uh, from one of our noted historians, uh, Dr. Mike Glano, who is um, various podcasts he shows up on, writes, noted photographer, uh, but we're looking at wrestling radio. I'm kind of curious as to what everyone's take will be from where it began to where it is today. So, so. Very timely with our, our debut episode of this very podcast. So that about wraps it up from uh, everyone here on this debut edition of the Paris and Post podcast. Uh, I'd just like to say goodbye myself. Let's say, uh, Mark, have you got anything to say? I'd like to say uh, thanks again for listening in. Uh, you can reach us uh, so the sites, uh, social media on Facebook uh, at and on Instagram. We're at Pro Wrestling Post on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at at Pro Wrestling PST. And you can reach, find our Facebook page. We're out there too at Pro Wrestling PST. Fantastic. And what about your personal one? Do you do you, do you take? I I have uh, also at the Mark Madison, um, so M A R C and then Madison M A D I S O N. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. And many thanks, Pete. Thank. I don't think we could have done this without you today. Oh, you're very welcome. That's all right. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at hey. Pete probably. Because uh, somebody stole my regular <laughs> username. I love your story about that. I, I love your story. I, I agree. His story <laughs> behind that is fantastic. Uh, hit him up. Ask him about his story. It's, it's seriously, it is. Well, I, I don't even I have that username. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's uh, probably on Twitter. I'm Mark Blake. Uh, you can reach me on 
Twitter at MarkBlakePWP. Uh, and this, folks, was the debut edition of the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. We will see you this time next week. Many thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. We're out of here. Take care.